Welcome, friends, to the Friends That Carry On podcast, where we dive deeper in our trips, unpack tips, and everything in between. The one who holds the torch key is your host. Get ready for your ears to go on a trip with your favorite group of friends. All right, welcome to uh, Friends That Carry On. This week, we're going to be talking about D-Day in Normandy and the 75th anniversary. So uh, we'll just jump right into it and get into it. I know it's uh, obviously one of the most poignant points in history. It was, uh, if that had gone the wrong way, who knows what the world would be like today. So, I mean, certainly uh, a changing point in the world, or, or potentially could have been, and, and the Americans and, and what we did and, and all the other countries that joined in was just uh, an incredible day. So from that standpoint, every I would think most people know the, the significance of it. But it's also a powerful place. It's an important place. We've seen the various movies and so forth, whether it's Saving Private Ryan when they stormed the beach or Band of Brothers when the, the Airborne jumped in and, and then started defending things from behind. So we, we've seen some of the visuals through movies, and it's been pretty powerful. And I think some of us probably even know relatives, older relatives and grandparents and all who may have gone through, through the war. So everybody's got their own significance attached to that. So what I'd like to now is sort of go around the room and uh, and talk about what it, what it means to everybody or to each of us. And today with us, and I knew this in the beginning, we have Brian. Brian's with us. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Jim Scott. We've got Eric Fargo, Walt Palmer, Ooh. and Tony Price. So why don't we start with Tony Price? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this is one of those things for, for me. One of the first things when you talk about trying to travel for history, it was it jumped up as as a big thing. And my first two times to Paris, I didn't go. And then we on that one trip, it was just you, you and me and Shelly. Shelly, right? Um, we had made that that trip, and yeah, I mean, as far as the event, I want we'll get into that story on the trip when we talk about doing the tours. But the I can say the the first step down. We, we accidentally didn't get on our tour again. We'll talk about that later. But when we walked down to the beach, we were, we were in a section where nobody really goes. We were on the back side of where the museum is and walked, just started walking down. When we got down there, there was just nobody there. Mm. It was just completely empty where we were. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where you kind of get this very eerie feeling. But it was pretty awesome. Though. I mean, just the it's a gorgeous beach for one thing. But... Yeah, it was just a very sentimental thing. I mean, it's everybody who does things different, but I literally had tears in my eyes. And I mean, I don't have any direct descendants, honestly, that was there. My grandfather was over there, but he wasn't on that beach. But it was very emotional. But it was, it was a great place to visit. It's kind of hard not to be emotional when you yeah. walk up there. Well, yeah. being not to hold back. Being an American, it's such a big part of our history, and, and not only our history, but History of the world. World, right. And, um, this is a big part of theirs, too, because that was one yeah, of the things. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the two things was the first stepping onto the, the beach and then walking up to the cemetery. Okay. And with the, the guy who, again, I told that story, um, it's very few times now that they get direct descendants because usually when they do, they come in and, they, and that's what they'll do. They'll walk them and show them where their grave are. And they will get to participate in taps and the folding of the flag at the end. And that day, he just happened to have had, there was a family of eight. That's uh, it was crazy. grandfathers, 
that they came in and they were participating. Because I was wondering, because I asked him, because I didn't know what was going on. There was families voting. Yeah, that seemed to be a little bit of people. And we were like, what is that? What is this ceremony? When he told me that story, it was just kind of like, I didn't know that happened. But it was also educational. I mean, you walk through that museum and stuff. It's Mm. uh, the videos and the pictures and the things that are in there. It's extremely enlightening. What about you, Walt? One of the things that blew me away was the French actually gave America like 183 acres. I think that's where the War Memorial is. Mm -hmm. And when you go there and you see those gravestones and how meticulously they're laid out, every way you look at it is a straight line with a lot of care and precision. And that just shows the love that the French had for the Americans. And appreciation. And appreciation for what we did. And those towns still do. Well, that whole region still, yeah. It's so, it's just a lot of history and, and just all. It's kind know? of hard to explain. So were, they, were they laid out? Were, you well, know, were, were the grave sites mixed between the, the no, nations? Or was no, it all, it's all, all American? I believe it's there. all white marble. In yeah. there, you'll see a cross, and you'll see the Star of David, which will lead me to the little story that I learned when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Star of David was for the Jewish soldiers. Mm-hmm. And our tour guide during our day at Normandy said that, you know, a lot of the Jewish soldiers would put the Star of David on the back of their uniform. And so the Germans were already trying to, obviously, annihilate the Jews. Mm-hmm. but. It was just a show of their proudness of who they are and what they were. And it's really remarkable. When I was there, you know, there wasn't, I mean, I don't know how many of these headstones there are, but they didn't use like weed eaters. They were hand trimming around (laughs) these marble. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands. So again, it shows one the meticulous nature of the French in general with their gardens and architecture. And their pride. And their pride. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing that stands out. Well, and the grass is kept perfect. Oh, always. Yes. Oh, it's it's, it's not a weed. Oh, there's nothing there. <laughs> and, and, it's a, and it's American soil. Right. I mean, it's our, the French gave it, it's American soil, but it's like they take care of it with such, it's every bit as neat as say like Versailles or some one of any of the beautiful gardens in Paris. Mm. And, and it's just remarkable. Well, and and it, it's sacred ground. I mean, you, it, oh. The whole area, the whole all features are, are, it's very powerful. But you walk there and I mean, it's it gives you chills. Mm. It just gave me chills just now. I, I, I got, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain unless you've been there. It, it, is, hard. it's hard. it is hard to explain. Because I didn't expect that. I, well, you know, when I walked on the shore, I didn't really expect and I don't have a family member or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I've never been there, so you guys have to do your best to explain. Okay. Well, as well, hard as it is, you just have to go. <laughs> I, I will go at some it's point. It's a good time to go into why you should take a tour yeah. versus not. And the tour, there are great tour groups there. And, you know, like we did, I think it was called Warlord. I mean, tour, Overlord. 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 Sorry. Overlord. Yeah. Thank you. And we had a little French. Um, Poor guy, her name was Sophie. And so <laughs> she had this French and my oldest daughter's name is Sophie mm-hmm. too. So but um she they did such a good job of explaining the battles and this and walking you through the battle, you mm-hmm. know. And um, we did a half day tour because our girls at the time were twelve and nine. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know if their attention span and anyways 
bringing it back, when we got back home from that trip to France, I asked the girls, I said, what was your best day? And everyone in our family said Normandy. And that's how powerful it is. I mean, yeah, you can try 12 and 9 year attention. Yeah, right. yeah and <laughs> I wish, you know, if I, I would go back again and do the full day. So when, when your tour, because I haven't taken that one, um, that was one you booked from by you, right? Yes. Not, right? It was a yeah. small, what, probably six to eight people in a minivan. Yeah, we, we, we were, there were six to eight people yeah. in, a, in a, like a, a long minivan. And you meet at a church outside of town, and and you go for four or five hours. That, it's really nice. I would say that's you know just from a, the bike standpoint is the biggest thing because most people do that you know as a subsequent day trip or so from Paris, right? And uh, you can catch bus tours or anything from Paris, but they're literally going to pile a hundred and ten people on one of those Greyhound type buses and drive you up to Bayou and then take you in and you get the megaphone and not that type of experience, you're better off getting up to Bayou via train or car or however else you want to get there. Mm-hmm. And you book these tours. We used um, Normandy sightseeing tours. Uh, there's a lot of those kind of groups, mm-hmm. but they don't have any more than six to eight people in any of them. And the personal experience you get is just way more. Cause I know Terry Hunter has done both. He did the big one at first. I agree. And, and you saw when you're there, you see the bu- the big buses, charter buses, and you, but ours was similar, six to ten people yeah. on one of those uh, miniature buses. But, it, but the tour guides are become so much more personal. Yeah. And, and I guess they've done so much, and they're entrenched in the history. Are they on the bus with you, the they're tour guide? They're, 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 they're driving. They're driving. They're driving. Are they they're talking driving. with you as they're yeah, driving? They're talking, then, but then they get out, and, and, and as you're walking the beach or uh, one of the uh, pillboxes or... Which depends where you're at, I mean, there's different stuff depending. I mean, and that's what makes it a long tour. This is this is not a small area. The, the distance between Omaha Beach and Utah Beach is like seven miles. Yeah, you have wow. to get in the, the van and Yeah, you've you got to drive around. So, um, but yeah, it makes it a lot more intimate and, and a lot more personable. And, and if you know the history and, and, and the sacrifices and, and, mm. and what these guys went through to get in from the beach or in from the their their crafts to the beach and in some cases up the cliffs or whatever i mean the fear the 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 adrenaline the everything that goes with knowing that you've got enforced germans on the hill with their machine guns and and cannons in concrete pillboxes just firing away at them at you and that there's a strong possibility as soon as this big door goes down on the Higgins boat, somebody's getting shot. Right. Somebody's and, not making it. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, and, and seeing the movies and then listening to documentaries, the weight that they were carrying was way too much. So a lot of them got out and they just sank. They drowned. Mm-hmm. So I mean, because well, it was deeper. The tide, tides were up. The weather was against them. They, they, they ended up a lot of times drifting down off, you know, like two thousand feet or yards away from where they're supposed to land, and then the water's deeper or whatever. So, you know, where they think they're getting out and, and running on sand. Do they know how been, long the period of time? Like, was it a was it ten hours of landing? Was it four well, hours? Days. We don't know, but I'm sure that days and days. Days of preparation. In only, years of preparation. Well, yeah, preparation. But I mean, days. It took them days yes. and weeks to figure out the, the right day to pull the trigger. Because in yes. Normandy, they joke, it's always forty to two degrees, raining, and it's windy. It's never like a comfortable day. Like when we were there, it was a very un- weather-wise uncomfortable day. 
it was like 42 to 45 and it was middle of summer, but it's just cold and damp and windy. So like Jim was saying, the boats and everything got washed down the beach and that made a huge difference because the water instead of being shallow was probably okay. deep and you've got 120, 150 pound packs. All these packs, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was the largest sea and air invasion in history of, of the world, right, ever. Uh, but it, 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 the drifting with the, the winds and the sands, or the, the winds and the tides, depending on which beach it was, was advantageous or wasn't advantageous well, for Utah. It actually made it better because it drifted them down. There's only one attachment of Germans in the pillboxes, so they were able to come up better. And then, in fact, it was Teddy Roosevelt's son or grandson. He was named Teddy Roosevelt also. I think it was grandson. Mm. Once he got on shore, they saw it was easier. He, he said, no, we need to go this way. But then on Omaha Beach, the drift down made it worse because there was even more Germans, an extra battalion, and they just got Remade it. And not to mention the barriers out in the ocean that the Germans, I mean, the Germans are oh, yeah, they very equipped and very smart and very good at what they're doing with, with right. the Right, well, exactly. And that's what, with yeah. Omaha beaches, that was, that was even though they, we ended up taking it, it was awful. And, and part of that was because they drifted down, our uh, armor or artillery wasn't able to bomb out because they were afraid they were hitting our own guys and they couldn't take out all those obstacles that they put in the water. Yeah. So it was it was just a bloodbath on them all yeah. beach. Yeah, Eric, you only went the one time? I only went the one time <laughs> with you. And it's Brian, to a person who hasn't been there, it's kind it's very difficult to explain the emotion until you walk on that beach and you feel it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna feel it right now only because I'm the only person here who is a veteran. I'm the only person here who has ever served in any military, gone through any boot camp, and nothing against you guys, but it's a brotherhood that you have with people in the military. Every person I talk to from the time I got out that says they're in the military, I say thank you for your service. I don't care what they did. I don't care if they did admin. I don't care if they never did anything. I tell them thank you for your service because I understand it. I've been there and I've done that. And I try to pass that on to people who, who haven't done that. It's difficult to pass that emotion on, and you yeah, will, and it will come up. It will come over you when you walk on that beach. Yeah, it's I, just I it's amazing the feeling. For someone who's served in the military, it's even more powerful. For me. Yeah, so it was pretty powerful for me as an individual. Yeah, you know, I'm an Air Force veteran. So, and this was back then. This wasn't the Air Force didn't exist. It was called the Army Air Corps. So we weren't an Air Force yet. We were an Army Air Corps, and we were still learning. And matter of fact, we dropped out of the sky what we thought were gliders, but they were gliders made of wood, and they didn't glide. Most of those gliders' pilots died, and all the crew in them, most of them died, only because of lack of knowledge. We dropped a wooden plane, not made of bursa wood, made of wood out of other planes, and they didn't glide very well, and they were a they were a tank in the air. Wow! Very few of them survived, and of course there were also other real aircraft. But it was that's something I took away from it, being an Air Force veteran. Yeah. Um, well, was, you know, going back to the numbers I had asked about earlier on, uh, if I'm reading this right, on D Day there was 130,000 to 156,000 troops that landed on D-Day, roughly half of them American. And then on, by June 
by the end of 11th of June, D-Day plus five, there was, they were up to 326,000 troops, 54,000, over 54,000 vehicles and 104,000 plus tons of supplies. And by June 30th, D-Day plus 24, over 850,000 men, 148,000 vehicles, and 570,000 tons of supplies. One of the things that's really Just cool there, though, is wow. um, it's up by the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Oh, and before you get into that, by July 4th, 1 million men had landed. Mm. Well, they show you that. So if you go up, there is enormous map. But it's not paper map, it's literally, it might, it might even be marble too. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, marble. A, it's a huge stone structure, and they show you where, it's, it's, it's an awesome map that shows you all of where the invasions came from, yeah. where they started, and kind of, it's it just kind of, when, you, when you've gone through the museum, you hear it, and you see it, and then you yeah, can see all of the, the volume of people. It's kind of... That's and the other thing, wow. the other thing, you know, the generals that planned this, they knew, they knew it would be a bloodbath. That's the job of, of these commanders. They they knew men are going to die. They had an idea how many. They knew they had a good idea how many were going to die, depending upon the situation, depending upon the weather. You know, they knew, and you have to send them in anyway, because yeah, there's but, there's a there's an ultimate goal. You know. Well, I mean, yeah. What what we were we were losing. The, the Allies were losing the war. We don't do this. We're not successful. We're going to speak German for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a Netflix TV show about that? Yeah. <laughs> right. there, there is. <laughs> well, from a travel perspective, though, you know, this yeah. kind of sounds like, why am I going to some place that, you know, <laughs> sports are But just from an appreciation standpoint, I think for me, it's one of the biggest aspects of it. You know, just, uh, it, it's history, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, uh, it's a big part of why the world is where it is today. So, I mean, for that, I think it's important. And, you know, to visit it, it's, again, it's a beautiful area, too. Right? It's a must. It's yeah, a, I think must. It's a must. Thing. You know, I don't want to, I mean, circle back around to other stuff. The, the one thing that I think a lot of people miss out is the little town of Bayou. Oh, I love the town. It's a beautiful um, little town. You know, most people come up and they hit it just to pick their tours where the train station drops you off and it's probably a 20, what, 30 minute drive mm-hmm. yes. to, the, to the beaches from there. Yeah. But the town is it's gorgeous. It's, it's cool. Yeah, we had lunch there. Really nice. Yeah. Um, so we stopped. We that trip we meandered around. The time when I had the boys up there, we actually stopped in and ate and went around there. It's a cool little town there. And there's the, the I forget the name of the, the tapestry at the one church in here. Yeah. See, we drove. Yeah. We drove. drove from Paris. We drove from Paris and we went to Givernay, the Monet's garden. And we stayed at a chateau about an hour from G. Barnet. Mm. And so we were about an hour and a half from Normandy. Mm. And most of your tours, like you do a half-day tour, starts at 7 and probably at 12 or 1 o'clock. Well, we chose the 7 o'clock. We stayed at this chateau an hour and a half away. And the people that owned the chateau got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and made us this beautiful French breakfast. And we drove out in... Drove to Bayou, met a tour guide, and then had lunch. Because we drove, we could hang out in Bayou all afternoon. Mm. And one of the things that really struck me was Calvados. A lot of the (laughs) local farmers, because it's rainy and cool, it grows apple. So they make, in the Normandy region, you can look at all the farms, and if they have an apple sign, 
that means that they make their own version of Calvados, which is an apple brandy, mm. which is a strong brandy, but it has like an apple aftertaste. And it's real. I mean, it's an acquired taste, but if you're in France and you ask for a Calvados, they're going to be like, well, wow, that guy, he's been to Paris <laughs> or France once or twice. But So they're really proud of that. And like, you know, the American soldiers would occasionally indulge in some Calvados made by the farmers because they were still doing that during the wartime. So, so that sounds like a really good, just outside of the beaches is a good place to stay or Bayou, but, but maybe a good idea to explain to people, how do you get there from Paris? What do you do to get there from Paris? Oh, good question. You drove, right? right? Well, I right. drove. Okay, I so drove, they drove, drove. They rented a car and they drove. They rented a car. And was I, that difficult? You know, it wasn't. And to navigate it the signs. It wasn't okay. because of technology and Siri. Okay. I, I'm just being quite honest. <laughs> okay. Siri you know, which hasn't always yeah. existed. Well, when I had my oldest daughter spoke pretty much fluent French, so we had Siri in French and English, and it would tell us to take the third roundabout, that right. type of thing, and get us there. Without that, it would have been rather difficult. Mm-hmm. But if you have, you would have to pre-plan it with technology. I mean, you can. I mean, you can. And maps can be used, but if you've got the technology, you use right. it. Right. You know, so sure. so if you're driving. I would suggest strongly that you use Siri navigation to get you mm-hmm. where, well, from Paris to, or Givernay to. So, so how long of a, a drive from Paris was it for you? Well, if you went straight through, I would imagine three hours, three and a half hours probably. Okay. So we kind of broke it in half. We visited Monet's gardens and mm-hmm. kind of worked our way Other out. Other things. Yeah, worked our way out. Okay. And probably the best way to get there from Paris is train, right, Tony? I mean, yeah, if you don't want to do the car. If you don't want to drive, right? Yeah, so the one good travel tip to that is rail Europe is what most people go to for train tickets anywhere in Europe. But if you go to a lot of the sites specifically for the country, I mean, I can speak some French. My reading of French is not very good, and I can still navigate the SN, snfc.com. Mm-hmm. So they're it's substantially cheaper, so you get the same tickets, but you'll pay an extra probably third on Rail Europe, just because it's convenient, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. But it, you can get the tickets. I think they probably run around sixty, seventy dollars for round trip. It's about three hour, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not a high speed train, it's old train, but it's a beautiful country. So mm-hmm. it's outside of Paris, going up through. So did you did you do it all in one day? From Paris to both times, and then back. Yeah, we catch in the same early day. morning train, mm-hmm. or on our first trip, you miss your early morning train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, might lead us into the story. <laughs> yeah. But the first, I mean, you catch the train up there, and you usually try to get there about ten-ish because most tours, the morning tours, start about that time. Right. Yeah. So. There's, yeah. There's some. Uh, yeah. Ours was kind of. At seven, but you know, oh, yeah, that earlier in the morning. Yeah, we so like yeah, our, our tour pretty early. Yeah, oh, wow, our yeah, tour we, group yeah. did like seven to twelve, and then you could do it from like seven to three or four if you did the whole day. So, uh, okay, yeah, I think ours was at eleven to four. Okay, so kind of split the day up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the train is definitely the way to go, and it, it's a great ride. I mean, it truly is. Now we didn't do it the way up, but one of the great things about by you there's, well, I'm sure there's several, but there's one particular little wine store and you know the great thing about most Europe trains is fine to drink wine or whatever your pleasure is. We had a few bottles of wine and took 
stop, got some cheese, doing our three-hour train ride through the Paris countryside. Wow, but that was awesome. It's a great experience. It's a great experience. It's coming back about four o'clock, you know, so for the next three hours, it's a great little appetizer and you get back into town and go catch some dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, Jim, how did you get, you guys get there th- a tour bus from Paris or? No, no, we took the train out. The train, you did the same train. It was okay. the same train, got there and then met the tour there. Now we have not, I don't think anybody here has ever done it, but you can catch tour buses out of Paris, I'm sure, correct? Yeah, Terry's a, Terry did that his first trip. Okay. I think he's telling me that he had like 60 people on that bus. All right. So what's your recommendation for booking the train? Is it something you should do before you before yes. you even go to Paris? I, I would have it, have it set and ready to go? or is it, Yes, okay. just because your tour is a particular time and the trains do fill up. Now, you may not you may not have a problem getting there, right? But you don't want to take that risk, especially right. if you pay for your tour. Yeah. You don't want to run the risk of not being able to catch the train at a time that fast. Yeah, so, get there. so it's not a package deal. You're buying your train no, ticket no, separate no. from the tour. You're paying more if you do that. Yeah, that's why it's just better. You just navigate yourself, go get your train tickets. So get there in plenty of time. Because if you're, time. you're there during the week and it's rush hour and... Uh, it gets crazy getting through the train station, and it's easy to, to I think you did this, go into the wrong, you go in the wrong way, you can end up at the wrong track or whatever, and, and I believe Tony has an experience with this. Can we hear the story, Tony? Is it time? <laughs> it's, it's been a this while. Is, let's, let's, let's this is a great little story because it's a personal little story. They're different, they're different groups and they're different locations to meet, so you got to really... Like Jim said, get there early so you get to the right location. Mm-hmm. Because they'll wait five, ten minutes. They say they won't, but they will. But I mean, you got to get there on time to, to do it. But if you don't, but the trains don't wait. <laughs> Brian's all excited to hear this. The trains don't wait. The trains don't wait. You end up in time. Yeah, the trains do not wait but for anybody. Tell us about that, Eric. Tony, really, Tony planned all this and. We had got to the train station and couldn't really figure out exactly where to go. We were a little confused. And then we finally did some asking and they said, well, you missed that train. <laughs> and we're like, uh, oh, we did? Because we had to catch the train to catch the tour, right? Yeah. And I'll let you take over from well, there. Because- yeah, so the whole thing with the train, you know, it, I forget which, which one of the main stations it was now. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but it's confusing because the, the whole... Paris Metro was underneath of it. I didn't realize at that time in the morning because it was early. Mm-hmm. Normally, there's an escalator there where you can catch up and it takes you up into the train station. Well, that is closed. So then we're like, well, where are we going? I, I'm not sure. So by the time we figured out that you had to go outside, go up around the corner, then you could catch the entrance into the train station. By the time we got there, we missed so that made us miss the whole tour. So I ended up emailing. I remember we, at the time, and this is again going back eight years ago now. And so your your Wi-Fi wasn't as prevalent, but there was McDonald's. And McDonald's always has Wi-Fi. <laughs> so we went over and we set a little restaurant beside McDonald's. Basically, <laughs> tapped into the McDonald's Wi-Fi. And I shot our tour guide at an email. I said, "Hey, is there any way we can catch up to you? Because we're definitely going to be late." They said, unfortunately, you know, we can't wait for you. You know, we're gonna be gone. Here's the general tour. If you can grab a cab, you can do whatever. You can try to catch us. Okay, great. So we got the next train up there, and uh, of course, 
cab, it took us forever to get a cab because the cabs wait for you as soon as the trains come, but there's only like five of them. <laughs> and we catch one of the first five, so now we're waiting. So we walked out to the little the little uh, restaurant there. At it. No. So, I'm sorry, where are you at this point? This is at the Bayou train station. So Bayou. you're up there. You're there. Okay. And we, we, there was no cast. We go down thinking maybe we can find some of the guys. Like, the best thing at this point, because the next train's not coming for a while, is to walk on into the Bayou and grab a cab there. And that's what we did. The cab driver just drops us off. We know nothing. Yeah, about. we're like, how do you we get to the Beach? Beach? He didn't tell us anything. Nothing. He just <laughs> drops us off like in the parking lot. All right, so is it just you and Eric? It's yeah. Shelly. It's Shelly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. No idea where we're at. I was like, I don't know if we go right, left, straight. So there's a building. Then we looked, and right over there is a parking lot. You can see the beat. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, okay. So we just started walking. And then when we started walking, we're running into, you know, bunkers, and just random stuff, but this is nowhere on anybody's tour. <laughs> we're not our own. <laughs> we're making our own tour, at this, point. tour at this point. Again, it's seven miles of beach, right? Yeah. So we get down in there, and again, that's why I was saying there's nobody there because they don't do tours there. <laughs> so, but it was really, really cool at that stage. And then, so again, we start piggybacking on some other tours, listening to some things, and we keep walking, and we found ourselves up, um, you know, did the whole cemetery thing. And one some of the bunkers. things that made this so really memorable for for us is, you know, we're getting close. They closed down at five, I think. It's getting close. All of a sudden, we're, we're came by a cab. This isn't a place where there's cab stops. No, <laughs> it's middle of country. There's yeah, no it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, right. Little villages are that little village. <laughs> we finally figured, how are we getting home? Or at least back to the train station we, in Bayou. So I have our drive. Yeah, so I go into the, the museum. And I left Eric and Shelly out, and I go up to the desk, and there's a few people there, and they, the most of them speak pretty good English, and but I was trying to speak in French, and they appreciated it, and, <laughs> and I finally realized I'm one American, so they probably speak really good English, but they let it go, and but and finally there's a guy standing behind them, and he says, "How many are you?" Like, well, there's three of us. He said, "Do you have bags?" I'm like, "No, we just have our camera." He's like. I live on the other side of Bayou, I could be arrived. So he is an English who's been living in Paris or Bayou for I don't know how long he was, but he's married to a French lady. So he lives. So he's like, I'll give you a ride. Well, he, wasn't he running the, he was running he that was, little museum. You no, know, he, he's sure. one of the, the guys, or he's the one who told the story when I was saying that we saw the family, there were people involved in holding All right. So he's one of the guys that when you come in and say, hey, I'm looking for my grandfather, you know, whoever. He looks it up and he takes you out. Shows you the site. He's a little bit of a He's guy. He's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so anyway, he said, "George, just walk out. There's a little wall out there. You guys, I'll be by. You know, in about ten minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll take you." Like, I was like, "Okay." Because <laughs> they said, "Because we can call you a cab. It's going to take them forty minutes to get here. We're going to be closed. We're going to be forty minutes back." And then we're like, "We're going to miss our training at that point." Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a little bit of a pickle. <laughs> You were so, in a bit of a pickle, yes. and it happens when he travels. So we, we walk out, and I walk out, and I said, "I was like, we gotta go sit on this wall and wait for a guy to pick us up." And he's looking at me like, "What? <laughs> the dude's gonna pick us up?" So, oh, guys, so a random guy is gonna give us a ride. I'm like, sure. 
we were sitting there, and then Shelly always teases me about this because the, the girls we were, I was talking to originally, they come out and they, they're like, well, Tony, bye. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, you've been there 10 minutes. What? <laughs> we need friends. So again, we wait there, and all of a sudden, everybody is leaving, and here comes our guy in a little golf cart. Picks us up, takes us through the employee section, because it's the back sections where people don't go, right? That's where they go. And he shows us like some of the caretakers' houses and cool little places, and we get to this employee parking lot, and we jump in his car, and he gives us, so it was the best 30-minute ride, because he was telling us so wait, everything. Wait, you got to see the caretaker earlier. You were talking about how well taken care of yes. all the grounds. So that was so you were able to see yeah. the, the caretaker's facility. Yeah, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Now that's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And, and we we, we were, were right. We were right. talking about how many famous people you see, and he was talking about you know, the presidents that he's you know that's come in. He was very proud of what he did. Absolutely. He it's really was very so proud. Long. He's one of the guys. Was he there when Reagan gave his famous speech there? Yes, he. Had, I think uh, he. I think he had been there a long. Long time. I think he said he'd been because he was close to retirement. I think. Yeah, I don't think he was one of the guys who really got to participate back then because he was early. Right. And now he, he does that. I know that speech would really galvanize things for me. I mean, I was then I'm in high school or early college, and yeah. even though I had a, a respect for Normandy and D Day, it was just a really stirring speech. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things that you know we got our own little us, private tour. He tells us all this stuff about it. We learned so much, and then. We were asking what we should do because you know, now we don't have we have an extra forty five minutes that's we don't have to wait on the cab. I mean, he's going to drop us off, and we said, "Hey, is there a great place to grab some wine?" He's the one to pull us out the store, and uh, he told us where to walk, and then that you got about fifteen minutes, and then you need to go. Extremely helpful. He made our day. Made our day, and then it, it goes to show you, you definitely get off the beaten path occasionally and that could have turned out terribly it could have missed everything <laughs> so we got extremely lucky but it, to this day it's one of the most memorable things that i've ever done because again, because we, he we was so nice beaches, well, and so helpful by ourselves right. in, a, in an area where most people probably never walk just kind of got to experience it your own in an intimate kind of way yeah, yeah. so i'm back to the, store. the kids you know, we got the full tour, <laughs> and that was great too. Don't get me wrong, but it was just different. So you're not recommending taking. I don't recommend you miss your train, <laughs> pay for a tour that you don't take, <laughs> and then just wing it with the chance that you might make it back to catch your train. <laughs> that only happens. That only happens to friends that carry on. <laughs> what can we say? But it was very memorable. Well, yeah, and I think it's it's a good point because and we've had this happen on other travels, maybe not to that degree where we're, you're you're just hanging on by a thread hoping <laughs> something goes right, but meeting the locals, right? Meeting the locals wherever you always get a behind the curtains look at whatever wherever you're at. In this case, it's Normandy and, and some of the history, but mm-hmm. it's just an incredible thing. So whenever you get that chance to to, to meet that off the wall person or or you're staying at Airbnb and taking in the local, the local scene or whatever it is, definitely. Absolutely. I so enjoyed that little drive through the French countryside that I never intended to take and knew I was even going to take or even be on. Was this and all on the golf cart? Is, no, 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 this is out. Oh, well, this, this car wasn't much bigger than a golf cart. That's <laughs> <laughs> why you probably asked how many there was. Right, right. The only thing I regret about, I have very few regrets, I would have loved to have had a camera or recording. Right. Because that's just something 10 years, eight years removed. You just don't remember 
all the nuances of the conversation. Oh, he I would love to listen to it. Like, like a GoPro type of yeah. Yeah. When he been. when he was driving us through the the countryside, you know, he's just explaining everything to us yeah. and telling us what everything is. And it was just very intimate and very, it was very educational and it was awesome. He took us on a, uh, he goes, well, this isn't the normal way I drive back. There's a few yeah. Do you mind? And we're like, no, we don't mind, dude. Seriously? Go do whatever you got to do. We appreciate, <laughs> right. We just appreciate the ride. Well, however you want to get us there, you, we trust you and yeah. we'll go for it. And then he did. He dropped us off at Bayou and, and told us where the wine store was. We're walking through Bayview, and we're like, that's one of the coolest experiences we've ever had. Yeah, Shelly was, was just, she yeah. was beaming, and so we're was, like, that was so cool. This was eight, eight years ago, so about that so smart. Did, did you happen to get his contact information or anything of that sort? No. No. Uh, I didn't think that. We're very we're, rookie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was in the early days. Okay. But, yeah. you know, the, the thing is, though, you stayed in the moment. Yeah. And I think in life, when you stay in the moment and just in enjoy the moment and be nice and be and, and be, be nice. nice and that's the thing that we i was brought up in school saying the french were rude and arrogant just the opposite i think everyone in this room would tell you that the french are not rude or arrogant not at all um but you know it's it's like anything in life if you're nice you're going to get nice back all right and that's exactly a perfect example but and, and yeah i think you know, you were talking about too you just take Take that chance because when we were sitting in that restaurant outside the train station, we had actually discussed, well, do we even bother jumping on the train and going up the river and miss our tour? And yeah. We well, I, don't, I don't remember how we came to that decision. Let's go anyway. Oh, well, I said no because I, I felt like it was my responsibility because I had planned it. I was right. like, no, we're going. We're going to figure something <laughs> out. Right. We'll, we'll do something for the we'll day. Go. We'll go on we the train tickets. Right. We'll do it on the tour tickets. We've got the train tickets. We might as well just go. We've come this far. We're going. <laughs> and we did. And we're and, and we're glad. And we that's did. The we're so glad we did. That's so, so give me a sense of where the train dropped you off, and then from there to Normandy was how far of a drive? But for a cab, about a half hour. Okay. It, it, it's about that for if you're on the tour too. Yeah. That that was what I I found interesting. You think you you've ridden three hours on a train, and yeah. you're the, and you get off at. Uh, to go again, and you're like, we're here. This is great, and you, and you, you know, you're excited. You're you, you can't wait, and yeah, further to go. Yeah, and you, and you get in the bus, and he starts driving. Of course, you're seeing the, the French countryside and all this, and you think any minute we're going to be at the beach. It's like a half hour drive. Like, what the heck? Brian, well, a great analogy would be going down Shepherd Grade Road all the way to the end, and then you would start to see little signs of beach. I mean, that's because you're in nowhere. I mean, literally, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's, a, it, it's the country, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you but it, it is, it, 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 it's interesting if you sort of, uh, especially if you watch like Band of Brothers, the stuff that went on after, the, I mean, right. it, it brings in the invasion, but then how they moved on, and you're starting to see the, 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 the walls sort of like for the fields, but then they're hedge, hedge walls. So there was trouble going through those with the tanks. They had to cut through them, and this. So you're sort of seeing that if if you have that history in your head ahead of time, you're picturing some of the stuff that's going oh, on. Yeah. As they had to, to come inward, and were still being fought by, by the Germans and all. So to me, which I, I had that aspect of the history, I really liked it, yeah. but I still didn't realize we were that far away 
once, once we got on the tour of us. It yeah. gives you a really good perspective for what the soldiers went through once they even got past the beach. Oh, yeah. They got past the beach. So, you know, you're through the beach, and yeah. you know, God knows what they went through to get there. Then they had to get into the town of Bayou, and that's just one town, yeah. you know. And then they had to move further on through the countryside. And, you know, it makes you appreciate what these soldiers went through to make their way to Paris. Right. Well, <laughs> it was, you know. 44? Right? Yes. Yeah, 44. Mm-hmm. June 6, 1944. And right? just to see the countryside and think, well, and all they the fought through this. Were, were dropped yeah. way off the site. So they were. Right. All based by a lot, a mm-hmm. lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a lot of the, like I said earlier, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, surviving gliders that did survive got dropped they were miles off course just miles that countryside though was it was amazing you know from where we live reminds me a lot though their scenery yeah their scenery is very oh it's gorgeous it's beautiful and by the way for our listeners out there walt mentioned shepherd grade road <laughs> um, we're in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, about, about an hour from D.C. So if you're looking up Shepherd Grade Road, you might find us from, uh, oh, in so Shepherdstown, West Virginia, which is along the Potomac River. Along the Potomac River, and and, uh, and but, not the beaches of Normandy. No. <laughs> Normandy, but a little bit different, but beautiful country as well. Right. One of the other little towns, when, when, and I was on the tour. We went through. We came up there, and we actually took a lunch break there. And uh, this sort of ties back into talking about the paratroopers and all. So we were there, and and this was a couple of years ago, and, and you got the big one of the big churches with steeples there, and it still had a, or I don't know if it's still the right answer, but it had a parachute up on the steeple, and, and a and a, and a dummy uh, of, oh. of a uh, an American soldier, because the parachute caught the it steeple. Seemed, seemed kind of odd that it's still there. <laughs> Or, or it's it's there, and there's a picture of it if you want to see it on Google. Anyhow, American paratrooper, as he was parachuting in, got caught. His chute got caught on one of the little spires that went up up through it. I think his name is uh, John Steele. Anyhow, because the Germans still occupied the town, the town is Saint Mary Iglese. I probably did not say that right, but. Uh, it was a cool little town, and this is one of the, the towns that, that the Band of Brothers actually had to fight the Germans on to, to take control of them. But anyhow, he played dead, like he died from the fall and all, for a couple hours. Then the Germans eventually realized he wasn't and came up through the things and captured him. Mm. But surprisingly, he escaped a couple days later, made it back to his troop, or to his uh, brigade, Jeez. and uh, he ended up he earned a bronze star because he went through and he captured a bunch of other Germans and all this after after doing all this. So he was a hero. Yeah, so he was a major man. hero. I, never heard that story. I didn't yeah, either. So it was it was a pretty cool story. So the picture you showed leave it up there, to the Air Force the guys. Is that a is that a is that just something that they had built? That's just kind of a that that's the actual church steeple and now the the, the parachute and the uh, dummy of him. Uh, on there is obviously recreation, but that's where he was caught on the roof. And he, he played dead for about two hours, and then he uh, actually captured 30 Germans and killed 11 of them after wow. he escaped. 
What a guy. So you got bronze star for Valor and purple heart for being wounded in combat. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so it was, it was a great story. So I'm glad we stopped there for lunch because that was pretty cool. I know. I didn't know any of that. There are so many stories. Oh, like right. That. So there, much happened there. And, when you, and that's part of the tours that I really got. We probably heard 10 or 15 different stories. They were like a brother duo on the cliffs one day. And it's like... You know, there were Marines going up the cliff, and, and then like two or three brothers or whatever in, in the same family. And you hear stories of how heroic those people were. They just did. They did what we can't imagine they would do, and they did. They, they did what soldiers do. Yeah. Uh, John Steele, after, after surviving his ordeal, he would come back and visit the, 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 the town of, of uh, St. Marie. Mir Iglish, like I said, I'm probably butchering that. <laughs> but they, uh, he became an honorary citizen, and they've got a tavern there in his memory with uh, yes. photos and all this. He died in 1969. I want to go drink in that tavern. <laughs> right? See, I tell you what, next time we're back there, we I, should will, go. I will be back there. Yeah. It sounds like Absolutely. a bucket list plan. Cool little town is where it's all the fun. Yeah, yeah. there's so much. If you can dig in and, and like we said, get with the, the locals and get that flavor, you find out these in little nuggets, which yeah. is, is, is probably the best part of travel. It, it it's really that. I mean, you know the big stuff, and that's why you went there is for the big stuff, but, but it's the little stuff that makes that, it. that onion layer back a little bit and getting that, it just, it just really gives you the flavor. That's pretty, pretty incredible. Are there any other stories or anything else that comes to mind? Hmm. Wow. I know, uh, I was, uh, in, I don't know if this was the museum you're talking about, but then when you get out to Utah beach, they got a little museum. And you go out and you see the pillboxes up there. This is where the cliffs, the steep cliffs yeah, are. Right, right. And, uh, and just seeing the cliffs and those pillboxes and them and, and the rangers having to climb the ropes to get up there to attack them uh, or to, to take the, the Germans is pretty incredible. But the Higgins boats, a uh, replica or maybe it was an original one sitting there. And this is the boats that, that, that this guy, and I forget his first name, something Higgins developed that uh, if you can picture a big boat that stands probably six, seven feet tall on the walls, it's like a, a huge canoe to a degree, but you can stand up in it, and then when it comes through, the, the front door opens just like uh, an aircraft carrier now, and then all the, 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 the guys run out. And uh, it was invented for this. I don't know if it was specifically this invasion, but it was used first in this invasion. So it was, even though a lot of people died when that door opened, it was a big part of being able to get them off the aircraft carriers in and, and into the beaches. So it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I know this is going to sound is, is an awful analogy. <laughs> You're going to say it anyway. <laughs> right. And maybe analogy is not the right word, but uh, this, this past few days, we were at a couple ferries in, in Greece. And when you get to the port, it has this huge door that comes down because they're offloading the, the trucks and Same cars technology. and so forth. But when you get there, all the, the passengers are getting off or stand there right behind this door. So you got this huge door that's 15, 20 feet tall that, that slowly comes down. And, and I should forgive myself for thinking this, but when I was standing there waiting, now there was no anxiety, there's no anticipation or whatever, but I got thinking about Normandy and these guys who know there's people shooting at them and everything else. And as soon as that door comes down, they're getting ready to charge out into the water and then onto the beaches with all these, with their packs and, and the bullets flying. 
And I'm just thinking, what were they thinking at that <laughs> point? I mean, I really got into my head. I mean, like I said, I didn't have any anxiety from it, but I just pictured that I'm on water and this door's coming down, and all I'm doing is strolling on to a nice <laughs> <laughs> But what these guys were going through in that moment, knowing that if they don't die, the person beside them probably is. And, and just, or did. And did. Yeah, that's what it goes back to what Eric was saying about thanking all the Absolutely. I mean, to be there. Because it allows people like us freedom. to have those freedoms to be able to enjoy those And that's something we that always, right always have to remember. Yes. I would highly, I would, yes. And, wow. and, and we do tend to forget. Do. You can't let it's it. Easy to, it's easy to. It's as as time goes on and time. history goes on, it's easy right. to forget, and and that's why the French did what they did there because they don't they understand it. they don't really want anybody to forget. Right. Yeah. Really, and they, they, they know. They, they, that's they, kind of well said. That's actually a very true statement. They, you know, that hundred and I think it's like hundred eighty three for some reason acres. That memorial, really, in that land they, they gave it to america to say thank you and we're not going to forget well the germans were and, and that's part world. of their history i mean what it is and, and, and you know like as americans what are we three four hundred years old you know but there you go back two thousand years almost so it's like you know for that 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 mindset of the european culture versus the american culture is kind of recognized at normandy for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the Germans took over Paris and France fairly easily. Yeah. Oh. And, and obviously, the Germans were not nice people, or at least the, the ones in charge that were making everyone else uh, kill or do whatever to occupy the place. So when we came in and were able to, to free them, that was a big deal because no, I mean, they huge. knew what they were facing because they'd already been, un- been occupied for a few years at that point. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, again, you know, I'm getting close to the end of our, uh, our discussion here, but the, you know, the biggest point, obviously, we are, we are a travel group, and this takes a little bit more probably a, a different tone than some of our other podcasts and episodes, but, you know, I think it's very important. It's a big 75-year anniversary, so I think from a travel perspective, the big thing for us is to make sure you guys know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's easy to get there. It really is. It's a simple train from... Any place from the Paris Metro. What to expect when yes. you get there. Get there, book your tour. There's several of them. Just make sure you book a tour that's based out of Bayou. Small four to eight, ten people tour. You're right. If you have enough time, I would do the full day one. Chateau. To do that, you can even stay up there. And maybe I mean, even make a day of it. It's been it's been a night in Bayou or something. See, split it up. That I mean, I would probably do that the next time. I would, Tony. I agree. I would agree with Tony there. I think next time I would stay in Bayou, and just because I like I said, most of the tour groups I've worked with, well, the one I worked with was early, and mm-hmm. so you know we drove an hour and a half to get there at seven o'clock in the morning. So. I think I would stay there and then yeah. find that that right. paratroopers uh, yeah. bar and hang out. Because when we were looking at it before, cause I know we briefly talked about trying to go for the 75th, obviously just way too much stuff going on, but I would like to make two days of it. Yeah. Take the train up one morning, maybe do the afternoon tour of one of the sections, spend the evening in Bayou, and then get up and do that again and then come back that evening with the train. I have to go back because 
I don't, I'm not experiencing an authentic tour. Well, I've just experienced an intimate tour with an Englishman you know, and a couple of friends. So I have to go back and take a real tour, you know. And just one thing real quick, you know, we were on top of the beaches at the end of our tour and, you know, we bombed that hillside on top uh-huh. of that beach pretty severely mm-hmm. and the craters from the bombs right. are still there. Right. And I, I just had to mention that. So you, because you, you, you know, Two things that go through my mind. I see those concrete defense mechanisms mm-hmm. that the Germans the yeah. They're also still there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're still, still there. there too. But then right behind those, typically you see these huge, huge. craters yeah. of where the Allies just bombed, you know, and bombed and yeah. bombed. Are there still, you know, munitions lying around? Or are there... I don't know about munitions, but what's interesting real quick is I can remember, you know, we weren't on a tour, so we didn't know what we were doing, what we were looking for, but we're just walking. We finally, oh, the beach. This has got to be the beach. What do we, what do we, what do we expect? All of a sudden we walk on a, up up on a bunker and we don't really realize what it is until we're walking around through it. And we're like, holy cow, this is a bunker and it's concrete and forced and it's, you can see it's got the. The, the holes in it that for the turrets of the guns, for them shooting down onto the beach. And you're like, okay, it's starting to come together. Because you don't have anyone explaining this to you. You have to kind of put it all together yourself. And Tony and I are looking at each other and like, holy cow, man, we're in one of these bunkers. This yeah. is really wild. And you look around, you notice, oh, there's more of them, you know. You and know one you- of the things I picked up on the tour that I don't know if you guys got this. And I just thought it was a bit genius when they built it. So you know they have kind of the air intakes mm. that sticks up out of the ground. And when they designed those, so they knew it could come up and drop a grenade into it. And it comes and it turns right back to your feet. Mm-hmm. Ingenious, yeah. right? Yeah. The so Germans weren't stupid. But if you drop a grenade, it was coming to your feet. And it was oh. just, this is, I, you couldn't see that, but he actually, there's a couple of the, the bunkers where it's still intact. Mm-hmm. And they actually walked at me through it and showed that. Yeah, there, there was a and lot you experienced that on the tour. That was on the tour. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the next time when I give you my private we experienced that same thing. And then they went further to explain. I can't remember exactly how they ventilated the the bunker, but then they showed you how the well, it was usually out the side or through a through a mound mm-hmm. out the side of the yeah. you know yeah. something hidden. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm not sure if that's technically correct, but I think that's how I remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff there. It's, it's, once again, it's powerful. I mean, there's no other way to get around it. All of it's powerful. The German side, the American side. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And again, from a travel perspective, I mean, it's not like going to hang out at the beach. Right. But it's still a, a trip. You know, if you if you, if you love to travel, it is absolutely a thing that well, I you, highly recommend. You love to travel and you like history. Part of the reasons we know about these places is because of things that happened in history. Mm-hmm. Some are beautiful destinations and so forth, but this is one of them that's powerful for, for history. And, and uh, in my opinion, if you like history, it's a place you need to go to. Yeah, no doubt. Very cool. Well, what are we talking about next week, Jim? Next week, we are going to recap our Greece trip that we just went on uh, here recently. So, Woo! Uh, Wow, Lots really to, just to recap and share. And, uh, yamas. And go to and, uh, and yamas. Yeah. Yamas. yamas. We'll explain yamas next week. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. 
So anyhow, uh, hats off to all the veterans uh, yes. for the 75th anniversary of D-Day and all those that served and sacrificed and all those who have served and sacrificed since then. We, we thank you very much. This is Friends of Carry On. Uh, you can reach us uh, at www.friendsofcarryon or at Instagram, Friends of Carry On, or on Facebook at Friends of Carry On. And like uh, Tony mentioned, next week we will be speaking about our Greece trip. Thank you for listening. Peace. Ciao. Be sure to join the friends next week with another great podcast. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You can also find the friends and other content on www.friendsthatcarryon.com or check us out on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching Friends That Carry On. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget to carry on, friends.